Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Six and Out podcast. Uh, I've got Brett and Arnie here. Uh, we're kicking off a new series on the podcast here. We're going to try and be your World Cup companion as we lead up to the World Cup. So today we're going to be talking about what are the factors for success in Australia ahead of the World Cup in October. And then we're going to go through India. Given that we reviewed India recently, uh, they announced their World Cup squad just a little while ago last week. Uh, so we'll go through that, kind of talk about some of the selection headaches, some of the, the injury woes that they've had, and uh, actually align their team against uh, what the key factors to success are. So Arnie, Brad, it's good to see you. Uh, I'm going to throw it straight over to Brad, because Brad's going to talk us through, as an Aussie, how do you win a World Cup in Australia? What are the key factors that teams should be thinking of as they kind of put their squads together, put their playing 11s together, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, no worries. Um, thanks, mate. Uh, I'm going to start with the bowling. I've had a good think about it, and there, there's probably five or six, maybe seven sort of factors that if you look at successful sides that have come to Australia in any sort of tour, whether it's for a World Cup, even for Australian sides who are sort of familiar with the conditions, there's there's a lot of similarities between the the quite successful sides. But I'll I'll start with the bowling, and I think the first thing you need coming to Australia, you need at least one decent quick bowler. Like you can't come here with a bowling attack full of guys who bowl 130 k's an hour. You're just asking to for trouble with the ball. You need at least one person with some genuine air speed, someone who can sort of get in the batsman's face, even if they're not the most accurate bowler, that you just need somebody with that point of difference. Speed in Australia becomes a genuine X factor. And that word X factor, I think you're going to, it's going to come up a few times. But I think it's the, the first and foremost, I think you you need somebody who can really bowl with some wheels. And I think a lot of the sides that we're going to look at through these previews that we're going to consider the genuine, I guess, threats to win the World Cup, they're all going to have this. there, And I think you, you absolutely need it. You're thinking guys like, start with Australia, you've got Mitchell Stark, uh, you've got Boomerah, you've got uh, like Nassim Shah or uh, Harris Ralph. Uh, I've intentionally left Shane off that list because he'll fit in somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, I think these sides, even England, bring, they're, they're bringing back Mark Wood for that reason. I'd they're concerned about not having that guy with with the wheels to to trouble batsmen, particularly on flat pitches, because if the if the ball's not doing much in a in a T twenty game, if you roll over here with three or four blokes who just bowl 130 Ks, they're gonna go the distance and you're gonna be chasing a lot of runs. Well uh, yeah, just roll straight into the next one. I think you need a decent wrist spinner and it's actually popped up since since I've been coming up with this kind of thing. It actually popped up. I think Murali must have been on the same wavelength as uh, myself. He, he's released an article on Crick Info about uh, his opinion that wrist spinners are going to be better suited to the Australian conditions than, than potentially finger spinners. And he's sort of bang on the money there. Bigger grounds in Australia, The again, the, your wrist spinners tend to be that X-factor X kind of bowler. They can get away with bad balls, big boundaries, drag a half tracker down or bowl a rank full toss. 
you still have to get a good piece of them to clear the fence. Like I think anyone who's played a decent amount of cricket has all seen or experienced and been the batsman on the end of just skying some rank pie from a, a wrist spinner um, straight to a fielder or missing one. It even happened to Kane Williamson not too long ago. Yeah, He got an absolute pie from Adam Zampa, missed it out LBW. It was like a above knee high full toss. <clears throat> yeah, but and the, when you talk about the rest spinners, I also think of the mm. the size of the grounds and some of these guys will be playing at. You talk about you have to get the the whole, you know, the whole part of the ball on the bat to clear the boundaries. It's not like they're going to be playing in too many stadiums that will have shorter boundaries. You think of the MCG as an example. It's it's a coliseum. Yeah. 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 So I think. The, the extra turn that a wrist spinner tends to get in, particularly in conditions that aren't going to be super spin friendly, like your wrist spinners in general will spin the ball more than a finger spinner in Australia, plus the extra bounce is a big factor over here. So I think they're, they're probably the first two things. I think you, not to say that a, a finger spinner can't bowl well, but I think the successful sides, again, you look at Australia, you've got Adam Zampo, who's very successful in these conditions. We talked in the last episode about Chahal from India and how it's an important series for him. Uh, England with Adil Rashid and Pakistan with Shadab Khan. They're all, all these top sides are already starting to tick some of these boxes. Mm-hmm. Next one, you need what you'd call probably the banker, someone that's highly skilled. Like this is where you can get away with the X Factor guys. Like uh, you might have your fast bowler who's a little bit erratic or your wrist spinner who bowls the occasional bad ball. But uh, you you still do need, in whatever role they feel, just someone who you can bank on pretty well game in, game out to execute their skills. That's where you're sort of talking your, your Josh Hazelwoods with his accuracy or Trent Bolt with his accuracy and his ability to swing the ball. But even someone, it might be a specialist like death bowler role or something like that. You just need somebody in your side who you can just bank on, you go, okay, I don't have to worry about their four overs. They're going to do what they do. And, and and when you talk about the strategy for teams with that kind of a bowler, is that someone who's typically going to kind of be have their overs floating in and around guys who may be more banged on to bowl overs, you know, one and three and then 17 and 19 to, to, to support the team whenever things do go a bit wrong because you can bank on them? Or is that someone... Like you mentioned Hazelwood as an example. Is he is he opening the, the bowling for Australia every time or do you hold him back to go, actually, we've gone for, for 20 and 24 inside the first three overs. We need we need to calm this down a bit. Josh, here's the ball, mate. Yeah, I'm actually not sure how that's going to work. I think he probably bowls at least an over with the new ball alongside Stark, but they are going to have Pat Cummins in the side as well. So I think you pretty well pick your poison there. Mm. I would probably be inclined to, to hold Hazelwood back a little bit and give Cummins the new ball. Um, and, and we know Stark's going to take the new ball there. But the thing with your your banker, they could pretty well fit into a variety of roles. It might even be that your your banker might be, even though we talked about you need a decent wrist spinner, your banker might be an ultra-accurate finger spinner like a someone like a Mujib who does mm. bowl quite well 
in Australian conditions like uh, when he's played in the BBL. Does somebody that you know that you can bowl, they're going to hit their plans, they're going to hit their spots, you're not all of a sudden going to have this problem of, oh, hang on, we need the four overs out of this guy and he's bowled two and he's gone for 25 runs already. Mm. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And I, I think the last one is just a bit of variety. It links back to the same as the pace in terms of bowling. If you rock up here with four medium fast bowlers who bowl 130 Ks, you're probably going to be chasing north of 180, 200 more often than not. You need some sort of variety, whether it's your left armor. And this is where like Shaheen's going to fit into that Pakistan attack, A, as a left armor and B, as probably their banker with the skills. He's going to be someone who, who plays a big role, but you can't, I just don't think you can rock up here with the same bowling attack or three, three pace bowlers and one off spinner. Like any of those sort of cookie cutter bowling attacks here are going to be fairly well figured out. And Australia in general can be a pretty unforgiving place uh, when things aren't going your way on the field like things can get away from you pretty quick yeah that, that's an interesting one because the the historical sentiment has been create a bowling unit get them to bowl and rhythm together and kind of don't if it ain't broke don't fix it but i think over the last several years we've seen that no you you need to come with a squad of seven guys who offer variety and it's the best 11 for the pitch for the conditions for the team you're playing against on the on the day so that so that variety extends not just to the playing 11 in your eyes but also the squad as a whole it can't just be two you know one spinner one ultra pace man and then the other five bowlers be that 130k um kind of predictable bowling that you've you've just talked about um moving on to to batting and this is probably the biggest point i can think of people think t like it's the t20 world cup people think t20 you need to be able to bash and crash and have the power game and be able to hit the ball way out of the stadium. The key in Australia, and it links back to those big grounds, you need to be able to run between the wickets. If you can turn your one, well, dots into ones, ones into twos, hit the ball into the big pockets of space that present themselves, particularly at somewhere like the MCG with its massive square boundaries, that's the secret from taking a decent score to a really big score in Australia is like you, you're going to hit boundaries like it, it happens the guys that are playing this tournament they're too good not to but it's what you do in terms of minimizing your dot balls and the ability to get the absolute maximum amount of runs out of your out of your 20 overs that's going to make a difference like I think a, a few pods back now we talked about Sri Lanka heading into the Asia Cup versus Sri Lanka when they came to Australia uh, a couple of summers ago. Their big thing was, and it's something they drastically improved on, was their running between the wickets. They, the amount of dot balls they, they racked up, the amount of singles where they could have pushed for twos, you pretty consistently leave 20 runs on the table. The teams you're playing against are too good not to make you pay. Yeah, that's a good um, one. But the last one, and it 
it's more so, I'll come at it more from a batting perspective, but it does apply to the bowlers as well. And it's largely in relation to, again, ground dimensions, is versatility. Like, you can't come into Australia with the same plan for every ground that you play on. A lot of the grounds here are, are significantly different with different dimensions. Like, uh, somewhere like the MCG has really, really big square boundaries. Your plan might be to come in and bowl back of a length um, to try and get the batsman hitting square. When you're batting, you're going, okay, I need to hit down the ground because I've got, like, I just I can't clear the square boundaries. But you play those games, then you roll over to somewhere like Adelaide Oval and the ground's the exact opposite. The, the long boundaries are long and the, 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 the square boundaries are quite short. So it becomes a completely different thing. If you roll out and you bowl back of a length at Adelaide Oval, you'll probably get hit out of the ground. And, and it's the same when you're batting. Like if you keep trying to hit straight down the ground at Adelaide Oval, well, it's probably more the opposite. Like if you can come to Adelaide Oval and you can hit across the line and you can hit to the leg side or square of the wicket on the offside and really cash in, you then go back to the MCG and try and play those same shots. If you don't hit them well, you're going to get caught 10 metres inside the boundary. Awesome. So awesome. Uh, that that's, sounds super yeah. sensible. Um, Arnie, Anything you would add in terms of being this? How do you, how do you handle the Aussie crowd? Is that a big factor? I feel that the Aussie crowds are always always there to to add to the game anytime there's a big tournament or a big a big clash. I missed a little bit of that, but you mentioned something about the crowds, and um, I guess like in any, I guess I haven't been to India, for example. Um, and listen to the crowds there, but I'd say, yeah, the crowds, uh, I pr presume this is what you're asking. They have significant, um, um, influence on, on the sides. And are you saying, are you asking whether they, uh, significantly, um, make it difficult for visiting, visiting teams, visiting yeah, countries? Do, do, do that... they factor in at all? Do we, do that, I, um, I... I personally. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, Brett, feel free to disagree or, or add, add a point or two. I feel the Australian crowd, we love our cricket, we make a bit of noise, but we're not the kind of, uh, the way we support, uh, again, just from my point of view, is we might have the odd Mexican wave and we might, um, you know, cheer and, and, and so forth, but we don't have our chance. We, I, I mean, I look at it uh, in terms of supporter groups like uh, the Indians or in this case, the Bangladeshi support groups and then you've got the english the barmy army and all that i i i don't know like i i think the aussies are great supporters but i don't think we have we don't have the chance and all that so i think we do factor a bit but i'd almost like to think that visiting nations could possibly uh silence the aussie crowd pretty quickly um but it's because we like i don't know maybe we just watch the cricket and enjoy it <laughs> rather than carry on so I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Brett, um, to that? Yeah, I think, and a, a lot of it, particularly for Australian matches, that will play a bit of a role. If you're talking playing, I don't know, say England at the MCG, I'm not sure if we play England there or not, but yeah. you're going to have north of 80,000 people there. You're probably going to have 70,000 at like minimum 70,000 Australian fans. 
Yeah. So it, it, they are going to be one-sided crowds, particularly when you play Australia. And I, I think mm-hmm. over the time with the touring parties to Australia, I think the people who filled out on the boundary uh, from the opposition sides could probably attest to the fact that they're, they'll they probably receive a few <laughs> choice words uh, yeah. for the Australian crowd. Um, hopefully yeah, it doesn't yeah. cross any lines, which... Uh, has happened on the odd occasion, but uh, I think particularly for some of these smaller sides, like for someone like a, I don't know, say say the UAE get through the initial qualifying and then had to go and play Australia at the SCG and there's 30,000 people there. That's going to be significantly bigger than any crowd they've ever played in front of. That kind of aspect is potentially going to be a little bit overawing, but yeah, the guys are right. pretty used to playing against big crowd, but in front of big crowds, like you play play the IPL Impact Stadiums, you play a lot of international cricket Impact Stadiums. I think they're they're big enough and ugly enough to look after themselves in that sense. It it'll play a little bit of an impact, but uh, I yeah. don't think anyone is going to be yep. too overawed from it out of some of these bigger players that were in bigger teams that we're expecting to do well. Some of the yeah. better players are going to actually probably thrive on it. You think someone like a Coley does kind of thrive on that, that energy. On the big matches. Yeah. On the big match and the atmosphere. Um, just on that, Brett, you know how you mentioned Australia, England, um, um, they are playing. Um, I'm going to that game in the World Cup, Australia versus England at the MCG. Um, I think it's the 27th, Friday the 27th of um, October. Um, now, that should, I'd like to think there's uh, plenty of English supporters. Well, the, the atmosphere there will be fairly even, almost, you'd almost argue, there'd probably be more Aussies there overall, but it'd be more even. And then you've got, because we, we, we have a lot of Indians in, in Australia now, and they'd love to go to the cricket, obviously. So if there's, say, in Australia, versus India game. And I've been to actually a couple of ODIs, Australia, India, the MCG. Um, I personally made these comments to to a couple of people that I was at the cricket with, is this felt like more of an India home game because not that I didn't think that there was a lot of Aussies there. I just thought the Indians supported better. They just, I don't know, they just go about making more noise and chanting. And so I think it comes, um, that'd be interesting. The dynamics are very different. Yeah, the the fanaticism uh, perhaps is 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 unrivaled, Arnie, um, for sure. Okay, mm. well, listen, taking what we've said there, we've got we talked about India uh, a couple of podcasts ago in terms of their their Asia Cup, so we have a little bit of context there. So why don't we look at their World Cup squad, which was announced recently? Maybe we go through the batsmen and the all rounders first, and then we can come back to their spin and pace options. So in terms of the batsmen, they're bringing along with themselves. They've got Rich Sharma, who's captain. They've got KL Rahul as vice-captain, which we'll talk about in a second because that was one of the queries we had around his per- place in the team. Virat Kohli, Surya Kumar Yadav, Deepak Huda Mexicot, and then they got Rishabh Pant and uh, Dinesh Kartik. In terms of the all-rounders, I have really only uh, can identify one all-rounder in here, Hardik Pandya, although there are a couple of mm. spin options which offer more of the bat. Akshar Patel is probably the more obvious one there. So... Brett, given, given, given that, you talk about the running between the wickets and hitting it into space. 
I don't think I see too many too many weaknesses in that department. I think India are pretty uh, pretty well versed in that and and have a uh, a good approach to to running between the wickets. Um, but in terms of the versatility of their their batting unit, uh, anything there that might concern you with their top four or four or five or six there. And I think they're pretty well rounded. Like we we've talked about them right the way through the Asia Cup in, in terms of on paper, they're probably the the most well-rounded, the the sort of best balanced squad in terms of, particularly in their batting. It's just where, for whatever reason, they have not quite been able to, to get things to gel recently as they've tried to sort of bed down a new style. I think a lot of their guys are going to be be more than fine coming over here. A lot of them have played a, a significant amount of cricket over here. Um, apparently, like it won't hold any fears for, and he was successful over here in the yeah. Test squad. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see Sky. I don't think he's played much cricket over here, so the I don't think I think he's a class batsman. I don't think he's going to have too many issues, but it will potentially be fairly foreign conditions for him. But, like, Coley's been successful over here. He's played here plenty of times, made plenty of runs. He knows, and he's he's probably the perfect example. When you think about batsmen, particularly from a, a non-Australian kind of uh, lens, he's the one that I think of in that ability to hit the ball into gaps, keep the score moving, turn your ones into twos, all those yeah. kind of things. Use yeah. space and then up the ante and then like when he needs to then hit a boundary he's not relying on hitting like he, he can score sort of eight nine ten and over hitting one boundary and over like that that's the kind of thing even if he doesn't hit a boundary like you still you'd think he's still scoreboard ticking yeah eight and over yeah so mm. from a perspective as individuals they'll be fine it's more the sum of the parts and the collective result for them and whether or not they can find the right combination to um, get the best out of the the resources they've got, which I think they've potentially struggled a little bit with. Yeah. So I, I, I think the the likely playing 11 based on what we saw in the Asia Cup is Rohit and KL at the top, Virat and Surya Kumar Yadav, and then there was kind of a mix of Rishab and DK or... Rishab, um, Deepak Huda didn't really get a look in um, with Hardik, Pandya almost certainly locked in as a, as a dead cert. The, the only query that we, can, we could kind of identify at the time was Kale Rahul's strike rate. And I'll just, I'll read out what Rohit said about him just to, he kind of put to bed that argument that, that Kale will not feature, they're thinking about changing things. He said, quality player and is very important for us. His presence at the top is crucial. It is an option in terms of Virat Kohli opening uh, but for us, we will always keep that in mind. But KL Rahul will open the batting at the World Cup. So Rohit's kind of put that to bed. And just as you were talking there, Brett, I just wonder if the the you talk about running between the wickets and rotating the strike strike is kind of almost as important as hitting hitting boundaries. That seems like the kind of cricket that would suit KL more than than the master blaster. You know, hitting hitting two three boundaries uh, and over uh, as you kind of play yourself in after the first couple overs. So. Perhaps that's that's a place that kind of suits him cricket wise as well as much as anything else. Yeah, I think so. And he's you think about some of the 
the potential downfalls that uh, international cricketers have had coming to Australia, uh, which the main one being is the ability to play the shorter ball that does get onto you a bit quicker. I don't think he has an issue with that. To be honest, I don't think anyone in the the Indian likely top six has a an issue with the short ball. So it's not like they they're going to get blasted out. I think he's potentially a batsman who might be a little bit better suited to Australian conditions, a bit more pace on the ball, just a little bit easier for him to time the ball into a gap rather than have to hit it. Um, so, but I I do have some questions about that vice captaincy and the fact that it does limit their versatility and their ability to potentially play Coley as an opener and play someone like DK. Because hmm. I, I think they have to play Pant. They're going to play Pandia. Um, I think the last spot in their side comes will always come down to DK versus KL. If if KL doesn't open, is it a, a dead cert that Virat's the only man that would slot into that spot? I didn't hear a ton opening the batting in the Asia Cup. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just wondered, you know, Given given a man of his class and his form, do you prioritize his? You know, Rohit's obviously going to open. Is Surakumar Yadav is perfect for a four? Do you keep Virat Kohli at three and not gamble with? Well, he's he's hit tons of runs in the Asia Cup at three, and kind of try to maybe worm a, a DKN to open or a Rishabh Pant to open instead of KL and, and not upset the apple cart with Virat. Yeah, I, I'm not. Uh... I would probably keep keep him at three, but uh, I think he's, yeah. even through last IPL, he's shown a bit of a willingness to, to step up and open the batting. Um, mm. In terms of DK, I think he's, if he plays, he plays in that number six, number seven finisher role. Like that's the only spot he's got in the, the side, let alone, well, in the squad, let alone the side. Um, and it's the role that he's, he's performed well in his sort of yeah. little late career renaissance mm. that he's, he's going through. I don't mind yeah. the option going up and, and opening, particularly if they want to get off to a flyer, but I think I think Pant and Pandia, they need to try and bed down at five and six as the, the finishing duo. Like, it's a role that they're both more than capable of playing. Um, I would probably go, uh, they've pretty consistently gone pant five, hardick six. I would probably swap that. Yeah. Um, so that pants coming in a little bit later with a license to, to do his thing and get a bit funky with it. And um, if hardick comes in a little bit earlier, just gives himself a couple of balls to get going and then really launch into his work. Yeah. I mean, hardick in particular is a, I mean, he's a phenomenal cricketer um if his bowling wasn't if he was in, if he was in, let's say he gets injured and he's not able to bowl i think he still makes that team as a batsman uh just given the the, yes. the way he he batted in the asia cup the way he finished games the you're right it, it's yeah. it, it's a kind of match day you know situation call but uh, you lose a few early wickets and i think hardick is the five if you're um in the last two or three overs, I think there's every reason to throw Rishab in there, although Hardik's perfect, perfectly capable of closing as well. Um, yeah. Well, using that term versatility, yeah. 
I see Hardik as that, um, uh, what do you call the, uh, the pocket knife, um, the handyman. Um, and he has genuinely got different gears when it comes to the batting. He can slow it down and keep, you know, pushing them for ones, but he can literally, he's just got the power and he just blast them. I mean, you saw him play for the Gujarat Titans. Not only did he lead like a captain, but he, he just played like someone who wasn't captaining, you know, he had the freedom to play without captaincy uh, duties. He, but anyway, just, you know how... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was, go just, ahead. I was just going to back up your point in oh. terms of, you know, he's he's performed under pressure now for the last eight months. I mean, he, he won, he mm. took the took the bull by the horns in the Pakistan game and got them over the line there in the Asia Cup pressure game. Um, he's a Gujarati mm. guy. I mean, he, that's where he's born and born and raised. And mm. the first time that franchise was there, there were a lot of questions, marks about what, how uh, legitimate the team's the team was in terms of their record versus how mm. they actually performed. And he, he won the IPL title for them. Um, exactly. Yeah. So sorry, go, go ahead. Inaugural year. Yeah, and look, I'm um, just back on. You know how you guys were talking about where your feelings on the opening combo and 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 where uh, Virat should bat. I mean, my limited exposure is seeing uh, Coley um, open. I haven't seen too much, and maybe it was during his run of poor form. But I'd certainly feel really comfortable with him coming at number three, hoping that the opening. Uh, the pair can can set up something small for him to to work with, right? But um, I've seen Pant um, open also for his IPL team, and I thought I, I'm just going off memories again. I thought he did okay too. I know you guys are saying maybe he's a five or six, but should there be a need to be a fill in for the opening partnership? I I, I think maybe Sharma and Pant could 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 get it done. Um, I, the backup I think, option, but I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, well, we look at the look at the bowling then. So some of the X factors are some of the the key pieces to success, Brad. That you were noted. So let's let's read out the the bowling options. So you obviously have Hardik Pandya, who's going to be the um, the all round pace bowler. In terms of other pace options, they've added Jasper Burma, which we expected uh, to come into the squad. Bhuvanesh Kumar, who performed well in the Asia Cup. Harshal Patel, who kind of solves maybe some of that X factor in terms of the, the death bowling. And Arshdeep Singh makes the, the cut as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, in terms of your your uh, requirements for bowling in Australia, you're decent quick. You've, you've mentioned Boomer by name already. Um, yeah. I don't know if Arshdeep mm. Ar- Ar- or, or Harshal get up to that level. I, I can't remember. I don't quite think they... They hit that sort of one forty plus barrier. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but uh, in my mind, I've got them as that kind of just almost like your stock standard, somewhere one thirty three to one thirty eight kind of. The graphic would flash up on the screen as uh, medium fast. Hmm. Um, and then, in terms of your banker, then Jasper is also kind of a banker. Do we see uh, any of the other three or four as, as bankers? Um, I think in terms of the specific skill set, I think yeah, you can pretty well bank on on Booby to uh, particularly yeah, with well. and with the balance of uh, having Boomer back in the side. I don't think they have to worry about saving him for the death. 
or with also with Patel in the side as well. Wouldn't be surprised, particularly if the conditions are a little bit favourable, for him to bowl at least three overs straight up <clears throat> and then maybe come back with one a little bit later. But um, I think I think Jasper at Boomerah is the... Not only is he the, the pace, the X factor there, I think he's the banker in terms of his ability to bowl Yorkers, bowl slower ball, swing the ball, do whatever the hell he wants, really. Like, I think he falls in that category of bowler, and there's a few that are going to be in this World Cup that are just guns. Like, they tick multiple boxes in this criteria, and it's a good part of the reason why these teams are going to be considered in the, the sort of handful of favourites. Um, yeah. I agree. And variety. And I know that you put Pandia in the, the all-rounder category, though. I just think he's got X-Factor too. I mean, just because he's an all-rounder, I just think he can be considered as the the, 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 the whole bowling unit squad. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah. well, he, I don't know. He can do stuff. He's yeah. quick. I mean, he's quicker than I thought. He can do know, stuff. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Brett, I know I interrupted you, but I was thinking, yeah, Pandy, uh, I, I, he's a banker as well for me. <laughs> yeah. In terms of variety, I think they tick that box nicely. They've got Harshal back in the side. They've got Kuma, who's more of a swing bowler, who's going to use his skills and accuracy there. You've got Boomerah as out-and-out pace, along with death bowling and and Yorkers, which is sort of Harshal Patel's skill set. Then you've got Ashdeep Singh, who is a left armer and has the uh, also has those kind of death bowling skills. So I think they've got a pretty well-rounded pace bowling attack. It would just be the, like I, I mentioned in the a couple of episodes ago, that uh, I probably underestimated someone like Harshal Patel's impact on an Indian side. I didn't think they were going to miss him as much as they probably did in hindsight. So I think his skills are going to be important, to, particularly at the death and his slower balls through the middle overs as well in terms of keeping control of the innings and not letting the, the opposition get away. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it, it, it says something that they would add him to the... I mean, Jasper Brimmer, you, you would obviously have in, in the squad even though he was kind of rested for the Asia Cup, I think is probably the best way to frame it. Um, But Harshal legitimately had an injury. Obviously, he's done well enough in his recovery to be added to that that team. But given given that that there's potential injury questions around Jasprit and Harshal, do we have any feel for who... If we we look at the Australia series, they, they added two other players to the Australia series, which is starts in a couple of days, I think, or tomorrow... Um, they added Mohammed Shami, who later was w- withdrawn for a COVID test, a uh, positive COVID test. And it's now Umesh Yadav, who had a decent IPL. And then Deepak um, Chahar as well. Do, um, do, we think that, do, we, do we think that Shami and Umesh are the, are the backups as a result of that? I, I kind of almost, I know Umran Malik has been uh, a bit expensive, but whenever you talked about your, you know, your, but your bowling factors, yeah, the raw pace there. I wonder mm. if that's on their mind at all. Mm. I think I'd like to have... see Malik. Um, Sorry, even go if... ahead, Brett. 
I think he needs to come and at least bowl in the nets and get some exposure to bowling in some different uh, conditions. I, th- I to be honest, I think they're mad to not play Shami. Like they've they re- released an article sort of around about the the start of the Asia Cup where they pretty well ruled a line through him in terms of the T Twenty international in particular, and I think they're crazy. Like you think. Okay, you've got Boomerah as your quick. You've got Kumar as your, your swing bowler. I think Shami fits perfectly right in the middle of them. Like, the only thing with him being in the side is I think he has to play probably ahead of, like, it's either him or Kumar. It's, um, otherwise you start ending up with just too much right arm pace. Um, but I, I think they're crazy there. Umar Malik, I think, would have been a, a reasonable choice, but it's probably hard to, to pick someone to leave out. The other yeah. one I would have liked to have seen, and I think he's a long way back, um, but was very impressed with him through the IPL, is uh, Mohsen Khan, big left armour, bowled with some serious wheels and uh, I think had the best economy rate out of all the pace bowlers in the power play in the IPL or something like that. Like he, he only went at about five and a half and over. And I think he, he's probably one that you could nearly consider uh, giving a run as well. Guys, got a question. Do you guys think um, Ravi Bishnoi should get a run or a bit unlucky or? Nah. No, no. He's, for me, I think he's no. the kind that will come to Australia and struggle. Um, okay. A little bit limited in in the bag of tricks, and uh, the the one thing he, he does have is just a little bit more airspeed than than Chahal. But uh, I don't think it's probably actually the first time in a long time. It's the spin stocks for India without Jadeja in the squad that actually look a little bit bare. Like yeah. you've got, it's a good a good, trans- got, a good transition there. Actually, do you want to just go through the spin options because this this is a yeah, a good transition to, to talk about then. Mm. So we've got Chahal, who's going to be a walk-up start, I think, in their 11. Very important series for him coming off a probably what we'd all agree was a, a reasonably poor Asia Cup. But does tick the box of you need that decent wrist spinner. Conditions in Australia will suit him fairly well in terms of he can get away with bowling that little bit slower, tossing the ball up a bit more. The big grounds will suit him if people go after him. It, But it is a big, big tournament for, I guess, the, the international career of, of Charles. He's proven that he can perform at that domestic franchise level. But this is probably his opportunity to, to really step up and get himself considered along, like in the same kind of, Echelons as your your Rashid Khans and Asarangas and those kind of guys who are the real sort of premium spinners around the world. Adam Zampa as well would be another one. Then you've got Ashwin, who I think could almost fit into that that kind of banker role as, as a spinner. Yeah, he's a finger spinner, won't get too much action on the ball, but I think his experience in the conditions, his ability to bowl with a bit of overspin and sort of utilise the bounce in Australia will be important. And I think just the general general 
accuracy and his ability to to probably combine with Patel to to sort of keep the brakes on a uh, like those middle overs will will be important, particularly without Jadeja. Yeah, so talk, talking about that, um, the last podcast we did, and we we mentioned the Sri Lankan uh, part timer who bowled in the um, in the final and kind of got through that one over four runs. I mean, even if Jadeja is not going to give you four overs, he was going to give you one or two, and they were going to remain pretty economical. Tough to replace that in terms of having the part-time which all, the part-time bowling but also give you the batting i feel that like ashwin's definitely more um gauged towards the bowling side and, and, and less batting ability than jadeja and you can't replace jadeja in the field you know full stop um coming back to the, the other the other spin option in the in the squad is akshar patel but coming back to your point arnie i think there's a big gap between yuzi chahal and ravi bishnoi now ravi bishnoi is always obviously a good mm. bit younger but they they are a I mean, they both bowl wrist spin, and um, I think if 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 you're an opposition team and you look at lineup and you see Ravi Bishnoi in there, I think you might be licking your lips a wee bit. You know, you think you know this is yeah, like, you'd be you'd this be is going the guy after him for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hopefully at their peril though. Well, that's but the thing. Maybe, know, right? Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's uh, you know it's we. We need to look out for not showing enough respect. Yeah, you're not yeah. showing enough respect to, to the bowler, and then you get out. Yeah, or you show yeah. too much respect to to Burma and Harshal and, and whoever else it is, and then you have you, you have no choice but to go over uh, after Bishnoi, and the pitch reacts better than you thought it did, or you know. But I think certainly yeah. Jahal is the is the um, is the lock in. I get that. Yeah, yeah, you'd lock him in, but um, I just I was just thinking, do they? Uh, who would be the backup option? You know, Charles injured or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, I think that they, they would. Ha- I think Bishnoi would have to be. I can't think of another wrist spinner. If, if we go on the on the having a decent wrist spinner in the squad being an absolute must, I think it would have to be Bishnoi. I, I can think of someone else who's been in the squad recently that would that would suit Probably. that. Sorry. Your only other option there would be Kuldeep Yadav. Oh yes, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... He seems falling down the pecking order with the the Indian hierarchy. Um, quality bowler though, as a left arm wrist spinner, which is just an added point of difference as well because there aren't too many yeah getting around. too many left arm uh, spin. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, okay, so I mean, summing up India as a whole definite squad that can win this world cup i don't think anybody would would disagree with that for me if if, if we if we try to isolate a, a weakness in their side i think and this is this will be the same for a lot of teams but i think just given their their side is so strong in our other departments i think their reliance on jasper and harshall being their kind of pseudo bankers and uh genuine quick bowlers who have also had injuries more recently. I think that if there's if there's going to be a downfall, it could be, it could be the fact that they're relying on those two guys to to be key performers who have been through injury injury woes recently. That's that's a weakness I would define uh, or identify. Any other weaknesses you see in the side that might upset the apple cart before um, October? I, I don't think these are going to play too much of a 
a big factor, but I, I think they're probably wasting two spots in their squad. I think the role they've tried to play Hooter in is is just a waste. He he performed well in the IPL batting in the, the top three or four, and he's not just simply not going to bat there in, in this side. When they played him as an all-rounder, he batted seven and didn't bowl. And I just don't think there, there's a particular role for him in the squad, but I, at the same time, I don't know who they'd pick to replace him either. The other one is Axar. I know why he's in the squad. He's supposed to be the like-for-like uh, sort of replacement for Jadeja, but he's, he's probably like, you, you've seen those like wish memes where you're like, oh, this is such and such from like, this is like uh, what I ordered versus this is what I got from wish. And it's just like Expect- a- expectation versus reality. I've got Axar Patel as like Jadeja from wish. Like he's a left arm spinner that sort of bowls some darts. He can bat okay. And he's not bad in the field, but he's, Filling that role based on characteristics and not uh, not a like for like in terms of quality. Are you talking about the filet fish again, mate? Like expectation versus reality, and in fact, the filet fish doesn't taste like fish at all. Yeah. Yes, and no. I think it's just the uh, yeah, just that that kind of okay. It's the it, he's like the the diet version of Jadeja or something like that. He's He's okay, got all yeah. the Jadeja doesn't quite add the the substance. Yeah, he he's also a name he'll, that I you know what? Is, sorry, go ahead. No, he'll go and prove you wrong now throughout the tournament, uh, Brett. <laughs> There's been a couple of series that have had him in the squad, and through no, this is going back a, a couple of years, but going through the kind of preamble in the media, they kind of identified him as a potential. Um, emerging talent or potential uh, as somebody who can come out of a, a series or a tournament with an enhanced reputation but um, I, I like Brett I'm kind of losing losing faith and patience in you know in in, in that kind of view of him um, but I I, I I would ask you the question then Brett who if you if you take Hood out and you take Patel out who, who are you replacing those guys with mm-hmm. uh, the, the sort of million-dollar question. You know, just looking at their reserve, Shreyas Iyer as a batsman, like, he's probably not going to to get a crack there. The... Uh, I think their top six in terms of batting, regardless of how bad their form is, potentially through the, the tournament, I don't think that's going to change too drastically, their top six or seven. Um, they're... It probably solves the the KL versus DK thing if you just took him out of the squad and they could perhaps uh, pick an extra couple of pace bowlers as insurance. Like the potential to have someone like a Muhammad Shami or you know, say it was Umar and Malik or Deepak Chahar, pretty, pretty well anyone else in the squad does give them that extra little bit of flexibility for if they do happen to roll down to a game in say Hobart or something like that, which I don't think they do and get presented with a, like a massive green top or they go to the gather and get a green top and they don't want to play a spinner. They can, they've got the option there to, to go with all, all pace. Um, for mine, like, yeah, okay. There's maybe not better alternatives for them to put in the squad, but I 
I think they are legit number 14 and number 15 in the squad. And I don't think either of them are striking too much fear into any opposition. Yeah, I I would tend to, to agree with you. Even just as you were talking there, I was trying to think of names for maybe openers, maybe if if there is a question around KL and he doesn't have that format, I think they'll stick with him throughout the entire tournament. I don't see that changing. But I was trying to think of other um, openers from like the IPL. I was thinking like Jaiswal, who, who's probably still a little green to be brought into the, the team. Um, you know, there's... there's maybe, Gakwad, yeah, that's another name I was thinking of. There's also the, the wee wicketkeeper who... Um, who opened with Rohit through the the Mumbai Indians? Um, oh, sure. yes, yeah. But then he's a wicket keeper too, so you kind of have that adding into the mix with DK and Rishab. So it, you're right; it's it's a it's a tough one to it's a tough one to kind of dissect and and re- reassemble a squad. Um, Huda, but yeah, Huda and Patel certainly stand out as the kind of you know the 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 water boys of the of the squad, for lack of a better yeah. term. In that squad, I would expect them to play Ashwin ahead of Patel, even though on paper, it, in terms of their given roles and Ashwin being more of a bowler, they can bat a bit rather than a genuine all-rounder. On paper, it makes the tail look a bit longer, but I think any side that runs into India, they're going to look at that batting lineup, and regardless of if it's Axar or if it's Ashwin, they're going to look yeah. at it and go, okay, the tail starts but at least ashwin i think will be more dangerous with the ball yeah the, so the other yeah. name that perhaps should have got a mention was sanji samson who's had a pretty yeah. a pretty good time, oh, time yeah. of it. um uh just yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, uh, i guess um the all these guys or most of these guys mentioned they're in the official team the squad that are going to australia right but they're unlikely to get a look in is kind of the point well, we're making, right? Well, the, the, Sanju Samson's not not in the, the squad. The names we kind of mentioned, uh, like Sanju and Gaikwad and Jaisval, are not mm. in, in the squad. They're not in the squad. Yeah. No, yeah. but I, I don't know how that works. I don't know if they if they could be traveling to Australia as like Brett suggests as as net. Well, they wouldn't be net bowlers, but um, yeah, for, for, as as backup just in case. But um, they're not I in the squad. They'll come as. They'll probably come as genuine lovers of cricket and go watch all the games. You never know; they might get caught. No, you, I don't know. <laughs> there might be some uh, franchise franchise uh, cricket, some yeah. random part of the world that they may have a contract to go fulfil. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, Adco Cricket Club. <laughs> yeah, I remember what the cricket club is in Melbourne, but there's a cricket club. They've they've got a set of pokies in their club room, and they just pay a fortune. I think last summer they had a game where they had Dilshan, Chris Gale, um, <laughs> Kula Sakra, and someone else. There was like four ex-international cricketers playing this in this club cricket side. Like not even like district That's level. That's crazy. Th- th- those cricket. those are not just any you know retired cricketers. Those are guys who are like in, potentially in their all-time elevens for their countries. That's crazy. Just, that is crazy. They, absolute fortune on some of these players and okay well here wow. listen we i think we'll we'll wrap it up there we're, we're about 50 minutes in so uh i hope you all enjoyed that um please do subscribe to us on on podcast we'll be back with our insight our our, our world cup companions for 
the other squads in the World Cup. Maybe we'll cover a couple in the next podcast. But um, thank you, guys. Enjoyed that. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Yeah, we'll do. Catch you later, guys. Good on you, guys. Cheers.